Hello, I'm Rick Lancaster. Thank you for tuning in. Grab your Bible as we study through God's Word together. It's my hope that as we go through these messages that we will all grow in our understanding of God's Word. As we grow in our understanding, we'll also be better equipped to glorify God, bless others, and grow faith ours and others. If you have any questions about anything in this teaching, send me a message. I would love to connect with you. With that said, let's get into the Word and see what the Spirit would say to us today. Good morning, church. Blessed to see you all. Lots of familiar faces. Some of them haven't seen for a little while, so blessed to see you guys. Blessed to have you here. Happy Resurrection Sunday. So, here we are. Oh, those of you watching online, I know there's some of you there too. God bless you. You're not an afterthought, I promise you. We love you too. We're continuing a message that I started on Friday night, as we always do a Friday night, Good Friday service. So we're continuing that that theme, that thought that we started there. You know, it's interesting that we refer to the Friday before Resurrection Sunday as Good Friday because we recognize and acknowledge the greatest horror that has ever happened in human history. That was the, the wrongful death, the crucifixion of Jesus, the Savior of the world, God the Son, innocent and perfect in all ways, and we refer to it as Good Friday. Well, it makes good sense. The more we, we study and understand it and, 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 and absorb the truth, um, that act wasn't good, but the result of that act was very good. And the result of that act is that through his sacrifice, we have forgiveness of sins. And what I said on, on Friday night, the message that I, I shared was that the gospel of Jesus is a message of hope, that, that we have hope because of Jesus. And, and one of the things I'm going to try to share today is if we're lacking hope, if there's a, if there's a reality that we're, we're at any level, on, any, on any, any part of your life, if there's an absence of hope, a, a weakness of hope, that, that Jesus ultimately is the answer to it. And if we can, if we can understand that, and that as I'm growing in my faith, and somebody say, hallelujah, the pastor's faith is growing. You know, as my faith grows, I, I understand this better. And, and I can look to those things in my life where I might struggle with something, and I can, I can, I can point back to the, this reality that we're gonna talk about today. It is is it adds to and, and helps to hold me up while I'm processing through whatever junk I'm dragging around with me on this particular day, right? We all do that. We all have junk, right? Somebody say yes. We all have junk. I got junk. It's not all in my garage. Some of it's in my heart. We all go through dark times. That's the reality of life, and, and believers are not immune to it. Somebody say, yes, we're not immune to it. We go through dark times. We go through them physically. We've got a couple of people here going through physical difficulties, hard things. And some of them, you know, it's relatively short 
term, but others it's been long term. I'm, I'm guessing that there are a couple of people watching online that have been wrestling with long term physical suffering. Those the kinds of things can drain us of hope, make hope hard. Emotionally, we have things that go on that just come direct attacks at our emotions, our relations. I was talking to a guy on Friday afternoon. He just has a really hard relationship, and he's he's struggling. He's a believer, loves Jesus. And yet the, the, the burden of this relationship is just draining him of hope. Might be financial. That one could be growing in many people's lives right now. Or it could be spiritual. All of these things have an effect upon us and they can drain us of hope. But the word for today, I'm gonna to tell you right in advance, there is always hope. There's always more hope. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, even if your hope is on the decline, we must understand that there is always more hope for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer, there is always more hope. You know, a dark time comes because there is something in our lives that is important to us, that is, that is out of our control. And it's out of control in the wrong way. Something is going wrong. Something is not right. Something is not complete. Something is not enough. That's when we need hope. You know, you don't need hope when things are going good, right? When everything is good, I don't need hope. I have everything that I need. I might hope for more, but that's, you know, you know that's another message. We're not talking about that message. The hope we need is that hope we need when it's dark, when there's a darkness, some darkness in our life that is coming for some reason that's outside of our control. Those are the ones we need hope. We need a hope that's outside of us, right? If, if your darkness is coming from outside of you, where does your hope come from? Outside of you. It's not in you. It comes from outside of you. I shared on Friday about our friend Ashley and her baby Liara born this week or last week? Last Monday. So she's not even a week yet. Um, and she was, she's been in the NICU ever since. And what was the latest thing? She, uh, she has a, a, blood a blood infection. So a number of things, but most recently added to the list of things that are, are she's struggling with is a blood infection. This is a less than a week old baby is struggling. You know, Ashley, it's a good friend of ours, She's a first-time mother, and she's had her own struggles in life. It's during those times when life is out of control that we need an anchor. And the Bible says, Hebrews 6, 19 and 20 says this, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, sure and steadfast, means it's in there and it's staying in there. It's solid. It's a hope that is solid and which enters the presence behind the veil into the very presence of God. 
where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Our hope is in heaven. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in something way outside of us that cannot be taken from us, cannot be prevented from helping us when we need it. We just need to know how to grab onto that anchor chain. It's there. It's always there. It's always solid, sure and steadfast. It's never going away, but we need to know how to grab it. That's where faith comes in. Jesus came. He came to the earth. And sometimes we, we're going to wrestle with this concept, and I sometimes wrestle with it. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus take on human flesh? So that he could die. It wasn't so that he could teach us. He could have used prophets to teach us. It wasn't so that he could work miracles. He could have done any, he could work miracles with anybody. He came to die. Because it was the only way for us to have this hope. It was the only way for us to have any kind of a relationship with God. All the other things were just other things. They're good. They're important. I mean, the teachings of Christ are pretty amazing, right? Somebody say yes. That's why we're studying the Gospels. We're in Matthew right now. We're, having a, we're taking our time. We're going through the Beatitudes. If you've missed it, come hang out. That's good stuff. We have the hope of heaven. Because of Christ, we can be saved. We can be saved from the penalty of not being perfect. But not just the hope of heaven. Now, I love the idea of heaven. Heaven is a really cool idea. Going to heaven where everything is perfect, right? Anybody ever experienced perfect? No, never. We never have. We've, expect, we've experienced good, hopefully. Hopefully you've experienced good in life. Maybe not as much as you want or like, but we've never experienced perfect. Someday we will. But, but there's more. There's more to having faith than just heaven. In 2 Peter, I quote this verse a lot. I must really like this verse a lot. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. I probably quoted it so many. Many of you might be able to quote it back to me. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given, past tense, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which you have been given, past tense, to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature is really it, it, to experience the reality of God. In a, in a very personal, practical way, having escaped the corruption that is in lust. God has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That is where our hope is. That is where we find hope today. Heaven's great. Oh, you know, I'm looking forward to it, and I know that because I'm saved, I'm going there. And that gives me, that lifts me up, that holds me up. But sometimes I need something right now today, and it's found right here in the Exceedingly great and precious promises of God. Well, you might be thinking, well, that's great, Pastor, but how do I know that, how do I know that, that hope is real? How do, I, how do I know that I can trust in it? Thank you for thinking it. I'm going to talk about that for the rest of the service. 
So let's pray, and we'll look at God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And I ask, Lord God, as, as, we, as we take this time, I don't know what's going on in every single person's heart. I can barely understand what's going on in my own heart. But you know every heart that's in this place. And I don't know, I don't know if there are people here who are struggling just to get through a day that are struggling to find something to hope in, finding something to give them peace, to give them some kind of joy, some kind of just, just hope, God. And if they are, I pray, right now that your Holy Spirit would come and comfort them. And with, just with the simple knowledge, there is hope. And so I pray, open our hearts to receive what your spirit would say to us today. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 28. If you don't have your Bible, there's some scattered around the room. You're welcome to use one of those. Matthew 28. At the, at the Good Friday service, we talked about really the, the context of, of Matthew 28 and the beginning or what led up to Matthew 28. And we talked about Judas's betrayal of Jesus. We talked about um, the fact that he was then um, arrested and falsely accused by religious, religious leaders. He was mocked. He was beaten. And then he was eventually turned over to the Romans. And, and there with Pilate, the governor, um, you know, Pilate was looking at Jesus and looking at what the Jews were saying. He was saying, okay, I don't see what you're saying. And Pilate was, you know, had, had on a couple of occasions, couple of, he tried to release Jesus and say, okay, I don't see what he's guilty of here. But because of pressure from the religious leaders, he ultimately was turned over to the soldiers where he was scourged and eventually taken out to be crucified. And there on the cross, after three excruciatingly horrible hours, God turned off the lights. He brought a darkness upon the world that was supernatural. No sun, no stars, no moon, and this is at high noon, became black, pitch black. In that moment, the sins of the whole world were placed upon Christ. My sins, your sins, the sins of the whole world. And in that moment, as, as Jesus bore our sins, something that had never happened in all of eternity happened as the Father turned away from his only begotten Son. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This darkness was a preview of the eternity that anyone who has sinned against God should expect. Anyone who has sinned against God should expect that darkness, not just for a moment, not just for a lifetime, but for all eternity. Darkness and separation from God forever. And after six hours on the cross, 
three of those in total darkness, Jesus gave up his spirit and died. He was then placed into a rich man's tomb and a massive stone was rolled into place, tons heavy. And the religious leaders, after they had accomplished what they thought was a victory, were afraid that Jesus' disciples were going to come and steal the body and then, and then tell everybody that Jesus had been raised from the dead because it was well known that Jesus had predicted his resurrection. He told everyone. It wasn't a secret that he was going to be raised from the dead. And the religious leaders were a little afraid. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We, you know, they didn't believe in a resurrection. Some of them didn't believe it was possibly resurrected. And so they went to the governor and said, hey, we need to, you know, we, you know, we need to do something because his disciples might come. And so, so he said, okay, do whatever you can do. They put a seal on it. They, they, they put a guard in place. And so we're going to protect. We're going to stop it from happening. We're going to stop the resurrection. The foolishness of man. If a woman in charge, it probably wouldn't have happened, but that's, a, that's, another, that's another conversation. <laughs> you were doing so good there, Rick. It's like, okay, just let it go. Okay, so they... <laughs> you know, man's unbelief cannot stop God. You know, if someone doesn't believe something, it's not going to prevent God from doing what God wants to do. We'll pick it up here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, Sabbath is Saturday. It's a Jewish day of rest. As the first day of the week began, first day of the week is Sunday. We, we consider this the seventh day of the week, but in the Jewish mind, Sunday is the first day of the week. And so that's why, you know, and this, and this ultimately is why we worship on Sunday, is because of this, this event right here. On the, as the first day of the week began to dawn, that means it, it, the sun is just coming up, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Now, the other Gospels tell us that they didn't come just to see the tomb. They weren't just coming like, you know, like tourists. Come, oh, let's go look at the, you know, I went to Israel and got to go see what they believe might be the empty tomb. Okay, that's not what they were doing. They were coming to finish the preparation for Jesus' death. When he died on Friday, he died at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and because it was Friday... And the way the Jewish reckon time, when the sun set on that Friday, it was the beginning of their Sabbath, their day of rest. It was against the law for them to do any work. And so they hurriedly took Jesus down from the cross and put him into this grave, but they weren't able to complete the, prepara the, the preparations for his burial. And so these women are coming to do that. It, they, they're coming on the first day of the week, Sunday, so the Sabbath has gone by. Sun comes up the first time. They didn't have flashlights or things like that, so they had to wait till the sun came up. And so they go, they're going to the tomb to finish this, this last act of worship and devotion and love to Jesus. They loved Jesus. And so they want to do this last act of love for him to finish preparing his body for burial. They had seen him die. They saw him placed in the tomb. And they came expecting to find a dead Jesus. Now, what should they have expected? Well, if they had listened and believed, 
in Luke 9.21 says this, and he, Christ, strictly warned them, commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, again, the Jewish reckoning of time, the first day was Friday, the day he died. The second day was the Sabbath. The third day was that Sunday. You know, it wasn't three 24-hour day, the Jewish reckoning of, of time. The third day was Sunday. What should they have come expecting? They should have come expecting a risen Christ. Now, don't, don't give them too much of a hard time. I, I was, one of the things I was preparing for this, imagine having spent that much time with Jesus and, and coming to know him as the Messiah, as the Savior, watching him do countless miracles and, and placing your hope in him and then to, to endure to go through watching him suffer and die. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine what that would have done to their emotions. But if they had understood what Jesus said and believed, then they would have been there to see a risen Christ. Verse two. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like, like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. They fainted. These mighty men fainted. But the women didn't. Hmm. Man, women are, they're, they're, they got it going on in this text. I mean, it would still have been alarming. You know, nowhere, nowhere in the scriptures, I'm say nowhere, but usually in the scriptures, when an angel shows up, people are freaking out. They're, they're falling on their face. I've said it many times. I both wish I could see an angel and not sure I actually want to see an angel. Because, because I, I, I kind of really do want to, but every time, I mean, you see so many people, people, you know, like, ah, you know, terror and falling on their face and all that stuff. So, so this angel shows up, the, the guards are around there, and I think part of that is God, God, you know, knocked them out. But the women were afraid. And we know that because of what the angel says next. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. These are some of the most amazing words. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. Jesus was already gone. He was gone before the angel rolled the stone away. Why did the angel roll the stone away? So that they could go in and see that where he had lain, he was gone. He is not here. You came to find Jesus. He is not here. Just as he said he wouldn't be here. He is risen. 
He has been raised from the dead just like he said he would. Now, there's a, there's a statement followed by a response that we use in the church. And many of you are familiar with it. I've heard it, we've talked, I've heard it expressed throughout the morning. And I'm going to say the statement, and I want you to respond loud enough for the people watching online to hear it. Okay? I'm telling you what I want you to do here. Don't want any sissy responses here. <laughs> he is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, what a good church. <laughs> you know, that, that is so powerful for us. And we recognize he is risen. He is risen. And Jesus had risen from the grave. He was dead, and then he wasn't dead. Now, this is an essential doctrine of the church. You know, there's, there, are, there are doctrines of the church where we can have disagreements about, like the rapture of the church. If you want to have a conversation about the rapture of the church, and you have an opinion different than mine, I don't have a problem with you being wrong. I, I, that's okay. <laughs> but this doctrine? Mm, no. No, you have to have this one right. The Bible says very clearly that we must believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he did, in fact, die. What kind of death? Physical death. You know, where, you know, the, you know the stuff where, you know, it, it just it stops. Everything stops. You are dead. Not unconscious, not, you know, you know some weird soul sleep. No, he was dead. The kind of dead where once you're at that place, the only thing left is to put you in the ground. This is so essential that if you don't believe this, you're not saved. It's as simple as that. You either believe that Jesus died and rose again, or you're not saved. Right from the beginning, right from the beginning, people have had just weird doctrine about this particular truth. Paul addressed that in 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 19. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. What does that mean? If there's not a resurrection, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then you are still lost, and you're going to hell. It's as simple as that. Then also, those who have fallen asleep, which is Paul's idiom for, for a believer dying, in Christ have perished, meaning they're gone, and, and there is no hope of heaven for them. If in this life only we have open Christ, we are all, of all men the most pitiable. If, if, there, if all we have is Christ in this life and there isn't the reality of the resurrection, then, then, then what a waste of life, he would say. Don't, he, I mean, Paul would say to you, if that's what you believe, it's better if you just don't even believe. Just, just don't believe any of it if you're going to believe that. But if we do believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, then not only do we have real faith, but we have real hope. A hope that is real and solid. From the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. 
And that meant that all the work of redemption was complete. All of us have sinned. There's no human on earth, me included, that has not sinned. We've made mistakes. We've made poor choices. We've done the wrong things. We've done something that is offensive to God. And the consequence of that is eternal separation from God. You know, you don't have to have all the sins of the world on you for God to turn away from you. God is perfectly holy. He can't look upon any sin. What Jesus did on the cross, when he died, he paid the penalty for my sin, your sin, the sins of the whole world. That's all the work that needed to get done. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to give anything. I don't need to be anything. I just have to believe Jesus died for my sins. It was all that was required to buy lost sinners back to God. Jesus' death on the cross was a once-for-all payment for the penalty of sin. Through his death... I can have all of my sins forgiven. Somebody say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. All of my sins are forgiven. And the way that we know God accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is the resurrection. When Jesus was raised from the grave, when he said, it is finished, you could actually say the resurrection is the exclamation point on the end of that statement. It proves that God accepted Christ's sacrifice for our sins. And now... We have the hope of heaven. Do, I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is believe. Jesus, you died for my sins. I believe that. I, I, I deserve that penalty that you paid for me, but you took it. I believe it. I'm going to heaven. I don't need to be anything beyond that. I don't need to do anything beyond that. I just need to believe that. Now, now God does call us to other stuff, but none of that's required for heaven. Heaven's done. Heaven's there. Heaven's yours. I love that. This is what we're referring to when we think of this, the, 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 the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross followed by the resurrection as the finished work of Jesus Christ. When you hear that phrase, that's what he's referring to. The finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to do a work. The work was to die on the cross and the resurrection proves that that was adequate, that was sufficient, that was efficient to save humanity. That becomes the foundation of our faith. If you don't have that, then you have nothing to build upon. But when we do have that, we build everything else upon that. That's our foundation. And that is what begins to be the anchor for our soul. As we go through the dark things of life, we have at least that to fall back on. Let's say, okay, this is messed up. Whatever's going on in my life is messed up. Ashley can sit back and say, you know what, having my baby and Nick you, I can't even hardly get to her. Has she actually been able to hold her at all? One time. One time. Imagine that. She can rest back. Sit back. And at the very least, remind herself that she has the hope of heaven. But there's so much more than that. It's not just hope for heaven. The angel tells them to go back and tell the disciples. Verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Yeah, at first the disciples didn't believe. 
they were, you know, kind of a thick bunch. Later, Jesus appeared to them, and, and they were able to actually interact with him, and then they believed. And, and later, Jesus appeared not just to them, but some other believers. Interesting, fascinating to me, that Jesus only appeared to believers after he was resurrected. There's a, there's a whole message in that. We're not going to spend that much time on that. You can study it later. Send me a message. Verse 16. Then the... <laughs> I'm not sure why I said that, but you can. Then the 11 disciples, verse 16, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, which is the right response when you see Jesus, but some doubted, crying out loud. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We had the privilege, I had the great privilege of baptizing Chad this weekend. So um, that, was a, that was a joy to me, but that's what God calls us to. He calls us to, to share with others the hope that we have, and then to bring them to this place of faith and obedience to God. These disciples did obey. They did finally get it. And then they went out into the world and proclaimed the hope of the gospel message. The gospel of the resurrected Christ is a message of hope. And that hope is for every part of our lives. Three, three things I'm going to share with you this morning about that hope. First, it's the hope for the past. Everyone has, everyone has things in their past. No one can say, you know what, I live, I've lived a perfect life. Everything has been smooth. Everything has been great. Everything has gone my way. You, were, you can't possibly live that life and actually have a good life as much as you might want to. There are things that have gone wrong. There are things that we might be ashamed of. There are things that we might feel guilt over. There are things that have just caused us pain and suffering. There are things that have been hard. There are things that have been just absolutely miserable. You know, I can't help, I can't, help but think of, you know, Kelly and I with our firstborn. You know, when I think of Liara, I think of my firstborn, Robert, and the struggles we had. There are things that we look at and say, that was hard. And those things come, especially when we think of the things that, you know, that we've done wrong or the wrongs that have been done to us. There, there is something that the, the cross and the resurrection do for us. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for some of my sin. No, say no. Come on, say it like you believe it. No, he died for all of my sins. All of them. Not a single one missed. Not the, not the, you know, the little tiny one that nobody noticed but me. Or the great big one that everybody knows about. He died for them all. Every single thing that I have ever done, he died for every last one. And when he died for them, his blood washed them away. 
Literally, there's not a trace of them anywhere, except maybe in my own futile mind. In Colossians 2, 12, it says this, you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Again, we, the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Christ. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. That's saying that, that when you sinned, you owed God something. A debt that you would never, ever be able to pay. In any case, in any situation, you would never be able to pay it. And so that debt would have remained forever. But through Christ, it is wiped out. Which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Oh, believers, if you're a believer here today, and, and you are wrestling with your guilt. You're wrestling with the fact that you have made mistakes in life. The picture I want you to see right now in that verse is you take that thing, whatever it is, and you take it to the cross of Jesus Christ. And you imagine your mind. God gave you an imagination for a reason. You imagine that sin nailed to the cross and Jesus' blood flowing down and washing over it and taking it away. Because that's what that verse tells us. That if you have sinned and you, then you, then con, you confess your faith in Christ, you believe that Christ, you are a believer, your sins are wiped out, taken out of the way, nailed to the cross. And you as a believer have no right to take it off the cross. When you sense that guilt rising up, you've got to remind yourself, wait, whoa, 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 I'm forgiven. Now, that doesn't make everything right because there may be some things that God might call you to do to make right over the wrongs that you've done, but the fact is you, you, you are no longer guilty before God. You've been forgiven. Well, it goes, it goes beyond that. For many of us, that's the easy part. That's the easy side of that equation. The other side of it is forgiving the sins of others. That when Jesus freed us from our own sins, he also freed us from the sins of others. That's the hard one. Because there's some people, I know people, many people, who have been sinned against in terrible ways. Ungodly, unhuman, all sorts of terrible ways. God sets us free from that. And we can be free. That's the hope we have. When, when, when we recognize, when we come to that place, we realize someone has sinned against me, God calls me to take that sin to the cross as well. That's hard. That's hard. But through faith, we can do it. That's what my hope is. My hope is that I can be free from whatever it is, whatever that thing is that was done to me, that I, my hope is I can be absolutely free from it. Now, I am free from it spiritually. Problem is convincing my brain of that, convincing my heart of that. That's a work that God does, and sometimes it takes a long time, but I recognize by faith I know that that sin was nailed to the cross. And Jesus' blood washed down over it as well. 
Now that person may never come to faith. That person may never, may never seek God's forgiveness, but I don't have to carry their sin with me anymore. I know where it is. It's on the cross, and I can let it go. I say that. It may take me some time. We can be free. When I believe that Jesus died for my sins, when I believe that he was raised from the grave, proving that his death was right and good, then the chains that bind me to my sins and the sins of others are broken. And I can walk free. No longer a slave to the pain of other people's sins. I can have hope for the past. I can also have hope for the, for the present. When by faith I accepted Christ's sacrifice on the cross to cleanse me of my sins, not only, not only is the guilt of my sins gone, but the power of sin is broken. That, that, that before I came to Christ, the Bible says a very, very clear picture, I was a slave of sin. That meant I, sin was my master, and it owned me. And, I, and no matter what the world might say, no matter what I felt, I was going to sin because I was a slave of sin. But now, through faith in Christ, I have it in me, by God's Holy Spirit, not to sin. I can make a choice. Before, I didn't have a choice. But now I do. And not only that, I've got God on my side. <laughs> I've got God in me. That when, 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 I'm, when I'm tempted, which, you know, if you're, if you're like me, those temptations come all the time. When those temptations come, there's a part of me wants to do it. I don't know why it's there. I don't know why I want to do it, but I want to do it. And the Holy Spirit says to me, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't want to do that. And, and in my heart, I know that I don't really want to do it, but something in me is saying, you, ought to, you, ought to, you, can, you, you can this one time. It's okay. But no. Holy Spirit allows me, gives me that, that strength, that power, that, that truth that allows me to say no to sin. I love the fact that, that when we come to these dark times of life, I don't have to go to a priest. Actually, she doesn't have to go to a priest to, you know, to get help in time of need. You know, she, you know she, we don't need to go to a temple and make a sacrifice. Say, thank you, Jesus, for that one. Jesus did all of that for us. In Hebrews 4.16, it says this, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That means we can, we can confidently go into the very presence of God based on our faith in Jesus Christ, that nothing prevents us from just going into the presence of God. Just go. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When, we, when we're struggling with something, we have sinned, I can just go to God. And I know that he's going to pour his mercy out on me. He's going to forgive me. I, when, I'm, when I need his grace, I can just go to him. I don't, have to, I don't have to go through some procedure. I don't have to go through some religious exercise. I, I can just go. I can literally... In the moment, in the, when I sense the darkness, turn my eyes to heaven and, and imagine myself in the very presence of God and know that he's going to accept me. 
And so that word boldly means, it means confidently. I am confident that the work of Jesus Christ is all that I need to go into God's presence. That's all I need. As I believe that Jesus is my Savior, he washed me clean of my sins, and while I'm still working out the rest of my issues, I can still go into his presence wearing his righteousness and be received as, as a father to a child. He's going to accept me. And then, there's all of God's promises. I, 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 whenever something is going on, not only do I go to God, but I can go to God's word. God's word is just filled with promises for God's people. He's all over and over again. He tells us how he's gonna, he's gonna be there for us. He's gonna help us. He's, you know, you know, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. God cares for you. That means he, he, he thinks positively towards you and he has a plan in place to do something for you. I love that. Trust, learn God's promises and trust in them. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Never leave you. If you're feeling lonely, where is God? Well, one, he's in you, but he's also with you. I tell you, if you're ever feeling separated or disconnected or lonely, the Bible says he is with you and he cares for you. I, I, I would encourage you in those moments when you're feeling disconnected or whatever, is just to, in your mind, maybe even do it physically, lean back and imagine God's arms wrapped around you. Because that's what, that's what the Bible says is real. God loves you so much that he sent his own son to die for you. Lean back into his love and allow his arms to wrap around you. There's other things the Bible says about his wings covering you, his arms upholding you, all these different words, all these different pictures that God gives us in his word about his care for us, his love for us, his, his promises to us. Know them, own them, believe them, do them. If you do that, in those dark times, it becomes this bright light that guides you through the darkness. We have hope for our past. We can, we can let all that junk go. Again, it's not always easy, but we can do it through faith. We have hope for today. We have hope for the present because of everything God has done and said, we can hope in all of those things. We also have hope for the future. The most obvious application for hope for the future is heaven. Anybody, anybody excited about heaven? I am. I, I love the idea of heaven. I'm not, I'm not in a super big rush to get there because I think I've still got some work to do. But, but, you know, if God decided that today was my day to go to heaven, okay, let's go. <laughs> Kelly's not too keen on that. The mess I've left in the garage. <laughs> if you are a believer, you are heaven bound and nothing in this universe can stop it. Nothing. You're going to heaven. Nothing you do, nothing anyone else does is going to change the fact that you're going to heaven. Oh, I can rejoice in that. We can celebrate that. We can, re we can revel in that. But most people are not concerned about that future. Most people are concerned about the future that comes before heaven. The tomorrows and the next weeks and the next months and the next year the next election, the next pick something. 
That's where people's concerns are. Things like inflation and gas prices and food shortages and recession and wars and financial collapses and gosh, the list goes on and on and on and on. Health could be, you know, a future worry. You know, we, we, all, we can all imagine different things in the future that might be dark, right? I mean, I mean, you can't watch the news without seeing darkness, and we can find enough of it in our own lives as well. Jesus made it clear that those kinds of things, you're not immune to them. Just because you believe in Jesus Christ doesn't mean dark things aren't going to come into your life. I would love to be the, no, actually, I wouldn't love to be that. You know, I'd love to be able to say, oh, you believe in Jesus, and it's all going to be good. And here's the, here's the 12 things you need to do, and all, you know, all 12 of them involved giving money to me. Um, no, that's not how it works. Never how it worked, never has been how it worked. And if anybody says it that way, that's, then they are lying to you. But Jesus told us, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be bright. It's not always going to be, you know, rainbows and unicorns. John 16, said this, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Why would he say that in me you may have peace? Because outside of me, out there, out there, there may not be peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Nobody say amen to that. We don't want to say amen to that. But, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus, I got all that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've conquered all of that. And yeah, you're going to have to go through some tough times. You're going to have to go through some darkness. We all do. That's the, that's the, that is human. That is what it means to be a human in the world today, is to experience hard things. Now, there's good things too. It's not all bad. But the reality is that it is a mixture of good and bad, light and dark. That's just life. Now, my hope is not in all those hard things getting worked out. That's not, my, that's not where my hope is. My hope is in the Jesus who has ever overcome all those things. My hope is in the fact that Jesus loves me and that he is going to do something in me and through me, around me, or in other people around me that's going to carry me through the darkness into the light. And whatever that means, whatever it looks like, my hope is in him. If, if for whatever reason God wants me to walk in darkness, to be surrounded by darkness for a period of time, then I, I, because he loves me so much, I, I can be okay with that, as hard as it is. Now, none of us like to go through hard things, right? If you like going through hard things, you need to go see Pastor Randy because you need therapy. I'm not, he's not going to give you therapy. I'm not sure why I said that. He's going to tell you to read your Bible <laughs> and pray. Jesus has worked all those things out. I trust Jesus to take care of me as I'm going through those things. I trust him to lead me to good choices and decisions. I trust him to be with me in the darkness. You know, the, you know Psalm, the 23rd Psalm is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. When it's hard, when it's difficult, lean back. He's with you. He's going to carry you through it. Whatever the future holds, 
Jesus is already there. We don't have to be afraid of the future. We don't have to be afraid of any part of the future. Could it be hard? I'm 99.9% sure it's going to be hard. But my Jesus is bigger than that. He's bigger than anything that can come into my life. And I just need to trust him. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 tells us that we can humble ourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That means, you know what? It might be hard. You might be, you might be down for a little bit, but he's going to exalt you, lift you up. When? In due time. When is that? Well, you know when I want it to be? Right now. But his timing is perfect. And if I trust him, and I just humble myself before, before him, that means I let God be God. When I'm letting God be God and I'm trusting him, believing him, walking in faith through whatever he's allowed in my lives, that when, and when it's the right time, he's gonna lift me up. And in the meantime, verse seven, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Too often we, we, we focus our attention, I gotta take care of me. Yeah, do you? Do you really? You know, if you try to take care of yourself, you know who won't? God. You want God to take care of you? Let him. Let him. You let him take care of you. Do what he says, because he might tell you to do something. Do what's right. Do what's good. And this man that I was talking to this week, you know, he, he was having a struggle with his, with his relationship with his wife. And my response to him is, love her. If, if you can't do anything else, you can love her. And I don't mean feel love because he was having trouble feeling love. That's okay, don't, don't worry about that. Do love. You can do that. Why? Because that's right. That's commanded to you. There may be lots of dark things around us in our culture. Oh my gosh. It's getting darker by the moment. And these dark things might be in our lives too. Those hard things might be in our lives. Things of great concern and difficulty. God knows that. He knows that. Give them to him. Go to God. Say, God, I hate this. I hate whatever is going on in my life. I hate this. Please take it away. Well, he may not. What would Jesus say to us in that darkness? He would say, be of good cheer. Cheer up. He'd say to you, sounds like a choice, isn't it? He is there with you in the darkness, and he will walk with you into the light. My hope, and I would, ask, I would suggest that your hope, it's not in the things of this world. They're in Jesus, a risen Jesus. Now, what, again, I don't know our hearts. Like I said, I, I only know what's in my own heart, and that is pretty imperfectly known. But if you're here today, and you're wrestling to hope, then my encouragement to you is fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our hope. And that hope is the anchor of our soul. And if we allow the Spirit of God to lead us, he will lead us to that anchor and we can grab a hold of it. If we will seek God through our prayers, 
He will speak to us about how to cling to that anchor. If we will know God through his word, we'll understand better and better how to do it. And here's the one thing I would encourage you, and, and many of you, I'm preaching to the choir to many of you, I know this, but one of the ways that we grow in hope is together. We need each other. It's, it's hard to have hope when you're by yourself. It's hard. We need each other. And so I would encourage you, if it's not this church, find another one. Find one where you can connect with the body so that they might be able to help you have the hope that you need. If you're not in a Bible study, get in one. Oh my gosh, people will grow. You'll grow so much faster in a Bible study than you will any other time. Get involved in the church in some way. There's always something to do around here. Always something to do around here. Get involved. It will help to grow your faith, which helps your hope to grow as well. Listen, we need one another because God made us to need one another. I would encourage you this week, if you're struggling with hope, don't leave here without somebody praying for you. Don't leave here without getting connected to someone, even if it's just filling out one of the cards and saying, hey, pray for me about blah, blah, blah. Yeah, don't, don't write that. Write something actual real. <laughs> if, I, if I see somebody write blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Kidding. You know, God, is, God has given us a hope. And we find it in the resurrected Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come and we ask, Lord, for your special presence here today. And Lord, if there's someone here or someone watching online, and I know, I know some of the people that are probably watching online right now, and some of them may be struggling in this area, that life has been hard for them. And I, I, can, um, I can, in my own mind, my mind's eye, see people in this very room who have just have been struggling with different things and maybe struggling to find the hope that I believe your word has promised to us. And if that's true, I pray, Lord, that they would, they would uh, just as your word says, humble their hearts before you. And they would cast their care upon you, knowing that you care for them, and that in due time, you will lift them up. Lift them up out of the darkness, lift them up out of their circumstance, lift them up out of something. You have a plan, God. And while you may not say what that plan is, you may not tell it to us and, you, and, and, and it just may happen, Lord God, we, we trust you to do that. And so I ask, Lord God, that whatever, whatever the circumstance and whatever is going on in, in the hearts of your people, these people, that Lord God, that you would, you would minister hope to them. And I know you're, you're, you've made it very clear to me. It's, it's not... It's not always just going to be, you know, me asking you to give me hope and you just supernaturally pour a gallon of hope in me. Sometimes you call me to, to an act of faith and obedience. You know, maybe it's getting involved. Maybe it's getting connected. Maybe it's just, a, you know, reading my Bible. Maybe it's praying. Maybe, I don't know, something. It's through that that you're going you're gonna to do what I need. And, and Lord, I've, I've learned that I need to do what you say so that I can get what I need. 
And so I ask for your people right now, whatever it is, you minister to their hearts right now. If, they're call, if you're calling to them to some, some act of faith and obedience, that they would, they would hear your voice clearly. They would hear your spirit whispering in their ears or, or shouting to them maybe what it is that you're calling them to do and that they would do it. They need you, God. We need you. And I'm so thankful, God, that you sent Jesus as we're here today, we're remembering the fact that he died for our sins, but, but he didn't stay dead. He was raised from the dead. And that gives us the hope of our own resurrection. That even though we, we are probably you know, short of us being snatched out of this world in, in the event we call the rapture, we're all going to see um, that, that, that doorway to heaven called death. And Lord, if we have to wait, we, we know. We have that confidence of knowing that we will be there. But Lord, we need, many of us need something right now. And so I pray, bring comfort to your people, bring strength to your people, bring hope to the hopeless. And Lord, as we're here, Lord, and we're talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is right for us to talk about the fact that if someone does not believe those things, that they, they, are, they are lost. And that, and that three hours of darkness is a picture of their eternity in darkness, separated from God forever. And Lord, that's not your desire. That's not, that's not what you created us for. And so if someone is here and they've never believed on the death of Christ for their sins and that he was raised again so that they may have eternal life. If someone is here and they've never believed that or someone's watching online and they've never believed that, I pray right now, God, that you would open their hearts to believe. The Bible teaches that that's, that's all we have to do. By recognizing that when, when Jesus died, he died for our sins, for my sins personally, and that I'm washed clean of those sins through faith in him. And that I now have the hope of heaven, but not just the hope of heaven, the hope of forgiveness for all of my wrongs and all those wrongs done to me. I have the hope for today, for the present, to be able to walk in a way that is good and right. And I have hope for the future. I don't fear the future because you are there. And so I pray for today for your people I pray for those who need to be here. You should be your people. I pray that we would open our hearts wide to receive all that you have for us. We thank you, Lord God, for all of it, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you all. He is risen. Good job, good job. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. It's one of my core beliefs that the Bible or Word of God has the power to transform our lives. It's my hope that these messages will help you to do just that and to glorify God and bless others and grow faith. If there's anything that we can do to help you with that, don't hesitate to connect with me. You'll find ways to do that in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to my sermon notes and other resources to help you in your study of God's Word. Sometimes we do need help to grow in our faith. If there's anything that I can do, don't hesitate to connect with me. I love talking to God's people about God and his word. So send me your questions 
and I'll do my best to answer them. This message was shared at Calvary Chapel French Valley in Murrieta, California. If you'd like more information about the church, go to calvaryfv.com. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, stay in the word and have a radical week with Jesus. Jesus.